Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Good evening. Welcome to Sugar and Silk. My name is Ben Doughty. My name is Michael Silk Olajide. And I'm Virgil Quicksilver Hill. Oh, yeah. The champ. How you doing, brother? Good. How are you? <laughs> doing really good, man. Good. <laughs> It's it's been it's been years. I remember the, the first time I saw you in person was like 1988 in Vegas. Okay, remember? Uh, well, you came to my fight, and I I wanted to speak to you and the whole thing, and then I don't know what happened. It's like everything just got lost. Like you disappeared. Yeah. The fight was over, and that was it. We we're all gone. <laughs> it tends to happen like that in Vegas. Just poof, everybody's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um. So listen, I, I mean, I have so much I want to ask you. I know Ben has so much okay. to ask you, and, and we're going to be fumbling over each other trying to get the questions. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm going to start. I'm going to start first. I remember um, your nickname, Quicksilver. Now I remember Marvel Comics. I used to. I was a big fan of Marvel Comics, and there was a speed guy. His name was Quicksilver, one of the superheroes. Mm-hmm. Is that where your yeah. nickname comes from? It did not. No. Uh, um, what happened was my. Um, on my first fight, I you know I was such a big you know Sugar Ray Leonard fan. I was going to call myself Sugar Hill, oh. right? So my first uh, pro fight, I went out and they introduced me and they said Sugar Hill, and it did not sound right <laughs> at all, <laughs> at all. <laughs> and uh, my dad said, "Well, why don't you just name yourself uh, you know Quicksilver? You got a silver medal in the Olympics, and you're, yeah. you're you know you got good hand speed." Yeah. Boom. That's what happened. Wow. Okay. Went from there. Yeah. That's funny, Ben. Yeah. yeah. So, if if we could talk about the amateurs for a little while, Virgil, we were talking sure. off camera for a second, and mm. uh, we know you boxed Michael Nunn three times. Initially, you yes. shooted with me that you that you boxed him three times. You figured your memory right. was that you beat him twice. It seems that yeah. you beat him in the Olympic trials final in 1984. Then he beat you in the first box off. And then very shortly afterwards, you, you righted that wrong and beat him again to go 2-1 yeah. up in the series to win the Olympic yeah. place. What do you remember about so like, the series? 
Shortly afterwards is like the next day. Yeah, literally. We fought in literally, La- yeah. yeah, we fought in Las we fought in Las Vegas. We had to box off up there. I beat him in the trials. <clears throat> we had to box off. And ironically enough, you know, half of the team that won lost. So they would have boxing matches yeah. the next day. And so well, that's how I ended Pernell, up fighting. Huh? Pernell Whitaker Pern- was also part of the team. Pernell, yeah, everybody was there. And so um, I had to fight him the next day. And and I ended up beating him uh, there. So, yeah, you're, you're definitely right. How was he as an amateur? Like, the both of you, did you guys have Guys, this is going disastrously for me here. I don't know okay. how to broadcast this to anyone else, but this is this is just cutting out all the time, and I'm not sure whose internet is the problem or what's going on. Yeah. Well, we're fine. Quick and I are fine. So we'll just keep it going quick. And hopefully the people okay. are fine. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, so, so this, so so this, um, who is your biggest amateur rival? I guess if not Michael Nunn, because you guys were both super middleweights. Yeah, it was Michael Grogan. I kept, you know, I kept having losing to him. He was a softball, and he was ideally the 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 middleweight they wanted in there. But uh, uh, I couldn't beat Michael Nunn. He was softball, you know, older guy, been there for a long time. Yeah. Um, politically strong yeah. uh, as well, and yeah. uh, I just couldn't couldn't get past him. But he would lose to somebody, then I would fight that somebody and beat that guy. Okay. You, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. I'll take I take yeah. that too. Whatever way it happens, it's yeah. good. Well, Michael Nunn fought at 150, uh, 50, uh, 56 pounds. Yeah. That, and he just bumped up, you know, just before the trials. Yeah, yeah. They right. moved him up. They, he moved up, and he never fought. He never fought at sixty-five. Past yeah. year and a half that I was around, uh, he just moved up because he thought he could beat me. Oh, I see. But he that. couldn't. Be, but he couldn't beat Frank Tate. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember Frank. I fought Frank for the title. That was a disastrous mm-hmm. uh, attempt, but. You fought Frank as well, didn't you? You fought him twice. Yes, twice. Yeah, and you beat him as well. Yeah, tried to beat the brakes off him, boy. <laughs> Not like that guy. You know, there was an interesting guy that you fought a couple of times called Michael Grogan, who beat Holyfield. We just he got a win against that. himself. Yeah, and, and he, he also beat Michael, um, won and lost against Michael Nunn. And it's interesting mm. sometimes you get a guy like that who showed that amount of promise in the vest. Then he turned pro, lost his debut, had a couple more fights, and then retired. So you get these kind of lost stars from the amateurs who, who just don't make a splash in the paid ranks, Virgil. Well, I think he stayed in the amateurs too long. Yes, you know, like, um, like uh, there's obviously like Kelsey Banks and that kind of syndrome, right? Um, yeah, yeah. See sometimes Robert Shannon mm. was like that. Robert Shannon. Yeah, there are, there are yeah. a lot of guys that that just sort of like uh, who is it? Um, the kid from uh, Jackson from. From down south. Uh, Clint Jackson. Clint, Clint Jackson. Jackson. And, I, and Johnny Bumpus, Bump City Bumpus. Uh, uh, by the way, Michael, if you put your head more in the center of that frame, we get we get your one good eye if you get right in the middle. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Virgil, I want to talk about how much how much of a crushing disappointment was it to lose in the final in 1984 to Jun Shin? I do remember a quote from you in Boxing News I read, and you said, right now the Olympics is the big deal, but next year they'll be asking who won. Was that trying to mask the disappointment to a degree? 
Uh, I don't really recall that. I mean, um, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, my, my idea was that, uh, I didn't know the natural transition was to turn pro anyway. Cause you gotta remember, I, I got on the Olympic team a year before the Olympics, Yeah. you know? So, um, myself, Evander Holyfield, um, and, and, and huh? Pernell Whitaker? No, Pernell is a world champion already. I didn't get on that team, I, you know, that, that team until, yeah. until, you know, until the very first year. Then I fought, I, but I fought every tough country, Cuba, Yugoslavia, you know, mm -hmm. I fought everybody. That's what Michael Grogan didn't do. He didn't fight anybody. I, I was in training camp. I was in training camp for a whole year, fighting yeah. all the toughest countries. We fought Cuba, Russia, everybody. And you're saying that you didn't necessarily think about turning pro at the time. I didn't know that that was a natural transition. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know because where I come from in North Dakota, there's 750,000 people total. So yeah. boxing is definitely not the you know. That's not the boxing hub of, yeah. uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> I asked you about that. What what brought you into boxing? What made you want to box? Because you you grew up in a place where there's literally pretty much not none of it. Yeah, none high. of it. Yeah, yeah. There was none. But I fought a lot. I had over three hundred amateur fights, or roughly three hundred amateur fights. So yeah. I fought a lot in the local the local states and stuff. Being Minnesota, you know, Montana. You know, uh -huh. uh, you know, Wyoming and stuff like that. But we did fight a lot, but just yeah. not the, the caliber of fighters. Yeah, um, yeah. What changed my mind is I just got tired of making it to the nationals and and having to sit mm -hmm. for four or five more days, losing you know, losing your first fight or losing your third fight, and mm -hmm. you got to watch everybody else fight and then drive home. And I just got tired of sitting. You made yeah. up my mind. I get yeah. it. So you're you're highly competitive, but what was your first what brought you into the boxing gym? I saw we lived on a farm. My father was a farmer and a, a plumber at that time. And uh, we lived on a farm and I saw Golden Glove boxing on TV. Yeah. And back in those days, if um, if you made it to the finals, you came out with golden gloves. Yeah. And fought. And that that's what I saw. And then after that it was like the Olympics. Seeing uh, Sugar Ray Leonard and stuff like that, so yeah, 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 that inspired me. So you started really young. What was what? How old were you when you started boxing? Eight years old. Eight years old. Wow. Eight years old. Lost <laughs> my first. Lost my first fight. <laughs> yeah. No, it's yeah, yeah, remarkable yeah. how many really good fighters and, and world champions lose their first fight. It seems yeah. to be this kind of inspirational truth about boxing. Mm -hmm. There are so many. Mm -hmm. Truly good and great fighters who lost their first start for some reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't just box though. I mean, I played football and wrestled yeah. and yeah. you know ran track and yeah. you know I did you know a variety of different different sports and stuff. But uh, everything boxing was always a constant. You know, it was it was football and boxing, wrestling and boxing. You know, yeah. did you have Something a boxing like hero? Did you have a hero? Uh, I had I had a couple of heroes. I had Tommy Hearns and I had oh, right. Sugar Ray Leonard and uh, Muhammad Ali. You know, I had all those guys. <laughs> so I don't want to jump forward too much because we're getting ahead of ourselves. But since you mentioned Tommy Hearns 
and and him being a hero. Did that give you a strange emotions about fighting him? It's just, <clears throat> you know, me being a trainer now, you know, it's difficult to fight, uh, you know, one of your idols and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's just, it was, it was different. And, um, but it was a wonderful experience. It put me at a, it was a whole different level of boxing. You can be a world champion and not get a chance to get to that other level. And it put me at that level, the other level. Yeah. You know, when I when I fought Hearns, um, which was just a little before you fought him, Virgil, I, it was interesting when I fought him. I like Angela had this strategy planned out and, and that's what we were going to do. So we went in there. I went in there in the first round and I caught him with a left hook. And when I hit him with that hook and I thought it was a real good counter. And I, when I hit him, it was like, really, I want to see if you actually have any recollection of that for your own fight. I hit him and I hit him solid. I thought, man, he's really like, like his, it was dense. Like it was like hitting like a, like a, a sand filled bag. It was really hard. There was no, <laughs> so, so I was like, I was like, Damn, this, is, this dude here is like, you know, and then I realized, and, and then I realized, yeah, you would think you'd be fragile, but I, here's a, here's the thing, Ben. When you hit a man, if you punch to him, that's different than punching through him. Yeah. And one of the things I did was I punched to him. And the guys that were most successful in beating him were the guys that punched through him. Either Hagler, Sugar Ray Leonard, Iran Barkley. When, when, when you try to box Tommy Hearns, you're in for a long night because he's about reflexes. And he hits hard. So you have, you're on double duty right there. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, Virgil, but... But like, but when you decided to take it to him and and step to him, it it started to change a little bit. But you you know that's yeah. something you have to implement early with someone like Hearns, right? Yeah. Well, mine is probably not as sophisticated as what you just said. But when I hit him with my left hand and I'm left-handed too, yeah. I hit him with the left hand, my best shot, and he act like yeah. nothing happened. Yeah. My best yeah. shot. Yeah. Best shot, bam, hit him with the heart of the left hook, and he just, yeah, like that wasn't, it was nothing. Yeah. So mentally in my mind, I'm going like this, oh, my God. Yeah. That was my best shot. Uh -huh. And this guy just walked right through it like it was yeah. nothing. That was, I had, I it was him and Roy Jones both did the same thing. Those are the only two fighters I ever saw do yeah. something like that that just, shook it off you know what? not even shake it off they just didn't even register it was like nothing what, it was like two, is that all you got with a gun to the head virgil which of the two would you say was the more formidable complete fighter from roy jones or thomas Ernst? the better fighter oh, in your opinion huh? tommy tommy, tommy. Okay, cool. oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so virgil, absolutely since since we're here, let's talk about something because we all get hit, we've all been dropped, we've all been hurt. Right. <clears throat> that shot against Roy Jones that that hit you in the body was that in a floating rib or was it a kidney? Was it like a liver shot? It was. It was more to the back, but it was. It was yeah. just. It was. He, you know, like it was time perfect. You know, I would have said that, that was a lucky shot, but yeah. you know, when I watched the video and they and him and his coach mentioned, he said, "Go to the body." Yeah. And stuff. Uh, yeah, had I not got a, if I could have got out of that fight that that particular round, it would have been a different fight, I think. Now, um, let me ask you but, so, so when so when that like that kind of shot, people 
a lot of people don't understand when you get hit in the head, you don't really feel it because there's like a numbness that happens. Your brain is affected, affected. But yeah. when you're in the body, you feel pain, like 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 oh, nothing else. Like nothing other yeah. than nothing other. You are fully conscious the whole yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, your brain. When you get knocked out, you just close your eyes. <laughs> you get knocked out, but that body shot—that was the most painful thing I ever had to deal with. It, it's crazy. I, uh, yeah, I broke that broke my rib. I was done. Oh, so I don't even remember. Look, I don't even remember them counting from one to six. Yeah. Wow. And then I got up. In it, you're like so deep in the pain. Yeah, and I know. Yeah. But the, when the when the referee said, uh, you know, uh, walk to me, say something. When I yeah. opened my mouth, nothing came out. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy, definitely. But it, you know, that was uh, well. He got he got he got punch of the year. Yeah. Off that shot. Yeah. So, you know, at least I can. You know, I feel better about that part of it. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, punch of the year. People talk in boxing, there are these cliches and there are narratives that, that yeah. get regurgitated over the years. Like the world and his brother says that Larry Holmes is underrated, which I don't believe he is because the world and his brother says so. But I think a guy like Virgil Hill is truly underrated. When we look at your oh. resume, you you defended that WBA yeah. light heavyweight championship ten times before yeah. losing to an all time great in Tommy Hearns. You yeah. became a WBA cruiserweight champion. Your record re reads like a who's who of of your era or one and a half era. Thank you. And I don't think you honestly get the credit that you were due these days. Um, can I ask you about that and how you feel about what I just said, guys? I did things that I had no idea that I would ever, I have gone places that were, that I had no idea. I didn't even know what they were, you know, where they were, what they were and stuff like that. I, the things that I accomplished for myself, you know, were. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Not even things that I remotely even thought of when I was younger and stuff like that. I am, I am satisfied with the things that I did in boxing and, um, you know, you got to remember, I'm just a country boy that comes from North Dakota, and so it doesn't uh, really bother you. It doesn't bother you. It doesn't not not at all. Look, it it, it it look. I I know what I did, and I don't have to. You know, I don't have to. I don't have a guy's. You know, a guy's room where I have all my belts and stuff like that. I gave yeah. every one of my man belts cave. away. Yeah, <laughs> man cave. Yeah, yeah. I gave every one of my belts away to you know, people that I thought were deserving of it and that were supportive and stuff. Nice. And it, you know, it meant more to them than, you know, me looking at it every day. I know what do I you, did. Yeah. Do you think it's healthy to actually let go of past glories a little bit and not live in the past in that fashion? Repeat that. I'm sorry. I got I'm distracted. Saying, do, you, 
do you think it's healthy to let go of past glories and not cling to the past too much? It just depends on the individual, you know, and how they, you know, receive it and stuff. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a humble guy and stuff like that. I grew up humble and, and stuff. It's just, you know, who I am. Um, not everybody's like that, James Tony. You know, he, he's, you know, he's a bigger than life guy and stuff like that. Some people are like that, and some people aren't. I'm just not. I mean, in boxing, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You know, so. Yeah. But I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. You know, I wasn't that guy. So, Virgil, let me ask you. You're, I guess, what would, people would could refer to as a contained fighter, right? You fight within. Uh, like a parameter, you have like guardrails. You're not wild. Uh, that kind mm -hmm. of punch. Do you find yourself? Have you ever, in a fight, gone outside those lines? Like, were you initiated and were really aggressive and just let your hands go? No, I mean, I I did what I had to do. Whatever whatever the occasion called for, you know, I try I tried to do it. You know, there were yeah. times when, you know, I I sat down and yeah. stuff. Not my particular, you yeah. know. It's how you kept tea. So, yeah. would you say that your is that reflective of your personality also? I don't know that I. Yeah. Well, I am a, a quick counterpunch mover guy, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But I didn't. I never really thought about what the other guy was going to do. Yeah. Because how how do you have time? I tell my kids this in the gym. I go, how do you have time to think about what you're going to do yeah. and what they're going to do, and then put it all together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In three minutes. Yes. Yeah. I only thought about what I'm, what I was gonna do. Yeah. And if he could stop it, now if he can stop it, I'd do something else. Yeah. Oh, that's that's interesting. So, so I mean, but you were a counter puncher as well. You're very yes. good counter puncher. So I guess it's just converted southpaw. Converted southpaw. So I was a lefty. Yeah. So you're left-handed, and you use your left and. So let me ask you, in, in training, did you mostly, like, was that from a kid you mastered the jab? Did you put all of your effort into your jab? Because that seemed to be like... Well, it's, it's all I ever, you know, it's all I ever had. Because back in my day, when I first started, you know, my trainers were old-time trainers. Yeah. So they were, you know, 50s, you know, 60s, yeah. maybe even 40 yeah. guys. Uh, and... Um, Back in those days, uh, southpaws didn't get fights. Yeah. So they just kept me kept me orthodox. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, southpaws didn't get fights. I never hardly, I never even fought a southpaw until I got to, like, the nationals. Huh. I had a harder time fighting southpaws than I did fighting, you know, anybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm left-handed. <laughs> But everybody's switching now. Now everybody's out there soft paws and they're leading with their their strong hand and stuff. I think that makes you know sense. things are switching. It it does make sense for your strongest hand to be your busiest hand, like to yeah. be your good hand. Like the the let's say it used to be like ninety percent orthodox and ten percent southpaw, and it's kind of switching up now. You see a lot more southpaws, but I think a lot more. Yeah, I think even still there should be. If you're if you're right-handed, you should be leading with your right because you can do so much more with it. And and you're well, yeah, yeah. The only problem with that I find with it is then you won't use your 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 power hand or your your back hand. Yeah. 
So I didn't use my right hand probably, you know, 10% of the time uh, and stuff. So, oh yeah. you know, well, so well, that's what will happen is they won't develop. They won't develop that backhand. They won't yeah. develop that. Yeah. Well, that, that happened with me a lot. Like, because when you're, let's say, in the gym you're growing up in, if you're the guy that's in the lead and you're the guy, if you're the best guy in the gym, you're not going to get sparring that's going to compete with you unless you can afford to bring it in, right? So you have to just, you're just jabbing these guys. You don't know you're building a habit that now you're just leading with the left hand no matter what. I mean, I was pretty much, for for most of my amateur career and even through the early pros, I was like a, a, what, a slot machine, just a one-arm bandit kind of thing. And, mm. and, I, and I saw you, I noticed how you consistently led with, with, with the left and you were really accurate within discipline. I was like, he must not be sparring with both hands. Like maybe he's, you know what I mean? Your mind goes anywhere to try to figure out what's going Maybe you, maybe you as well. You weren't sparring with both hands because you'd hurt him if you throw both hands. Yeah. So you just yeah. went with the left. There's <laughs> <laughs> uh, no scientific, not, you know. <laughs> thing, yeah, um, you know, I sparred with a lot of, you know, because I didn't get a lot of sparring and stuff. And this is back in the amateur days and stuff. Uh, uh, you know, I had to work with the work that was in there so i call them tiny tots little guys so i would get the little guys in there and then the bigger guy you know bigger and bigger you know and, and add to it and um it just helped me develop you know to be able to control how fast or how hard i could throw my actual jab now throwing the right hand was not a lot of control uh, stuff if i either threw it or i didn't throw it hmm. so yeah yeah, yeah. And and um, you, uh, we have a mutual friend, and and this mutual friend, he's the uh, head of the Atlantic City Boxing Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh, we <laughs> are. Used to work with you, right? Yes. Day, yeah. Um, Ray Ray McCline, of course, I'm talking about. Yes. I said to say hi. I was speaking to him just the other day, and you guys had some good times together. Awesome guy. He has done a lot with with. A little. Yes. You know. Yeah. He's done what he's done for boxing in that in that area yeah. and, and abroad has yeah. been phenomenal. And what he continues to do for boxing is really it. Yeah. It's really awesome. And I'm always we need to... more guys. We need more guys like him for if sure. We had, if we had guys like him in boxing, more guys like him boxing would really flourish. You know, people who really yeah. and then guys who understand fighters and guys who understand entertainment. Yeah. And professionality that's that's exactly what it means well he he's passionate he's passionate about what he does and stuff and um and it's 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 an enjoyment to be around him because he helps get everything moving yeah again and um we need more guys like him yeah. like this we need more guys like this like what you guys are doing this yeah. is awesome Oh man, um, we're really both so honored. I know Ben's off right now; he'll be back in a second. But I know we're both so honored and excited to speak to you. There's a ton Thank of you. coming your way. I know Ben's gonna have some, but while he's not here, I'm gonna jump on and give you some more. Did you choose boxing, or did boxing choose you? Little of both. Little of both. Little, little of both. Um, uh, 
getting ready to graduate from high school stuff. Uh, well, I'm not going to get that football scholarship. Uh -huh. <laughs> what position did you play? What position? Running back. Running back. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Give me the, give me the ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's your team now? Who's your team? The Chiefs. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm originally from Missouri. I'm born in Missouri, but raised in North Dakota. Okay. So yeah. my father was a big, big uh, uh, Chiefs fan. Yeah. 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 So. Listen, yeah, I just. I, I have to say, I mean, obviously, I'm a Raiders. Nothing could have been better. Like, if you're going to get an injury and you wear an eye patch, it couldn't be anything better for like a Raider fan. <laughs> <laughs> We have some people in England uh, that are going to be watching the show, so they, they may not understand American football. Okay. Football yeah. is like not soccer and, uh, the and not rugby. It is not rugby either. Closer to rugby than soccer. Rugby and, is a little rougher and yeah. probably a little better athletes <laughs> as well. I, I lived in that. Australia. I lived in Australia for a year. I trained yeah. with Jeff Finnick and, and Johnny Lewis oh, for okay. a year, and until I won my title back after I fought uh, Tommy Hearns, because yes. I had to regroup and uh, went there for a year. It was the best thing I ever did. Got me Somebody back on track. You about that? Somebody said, "Ask him about training with Johnny Lewis." Sorry for my absence, by the way, guys. Having a bit of a nightmare yeah. with the internet tonight. Someone said, "Be sure to ask him about Johnny Lewis and that whole kind of experience." One of the best trainers I ever had. Wow. Yeah. For a guy that for it to motivate and and he wasn't knowledgeable in you know a lot of he wasn't he wasn't Emmanuel Stewart uh -huh. for sure. Nobody is, but um, but as as far as getting somebody in shape and stuff, and that's a lot of those guys were just in great shape. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they were the the stuff that we did was uh, phenomenal. It was unbelievable. You know, Virgil, yeah, Jeff Jeff Finnick was a, a unbelievable runner and uh, fanatic in training. Yeah, yeah. You just reminded me, Virgil, talking about coaches. I seem to remember an interview with Freddie Roach years ago when he spoke about not getting too friendly uh, and too much buddy with a fighter. And he said, I made that mistake with Virgil Hill. He said, we were too friendly with one another to the point where I couldn't, didn't have the authority over him I should have had. Does that mirror your thoughts on the relationship? Uh, well, we were both young. I mean, I, uh, we were... I was a world champion at the time and stuff like that. And, and Freddie was just getting his feet wet. Um, I'm in Freddie's first world champion. And, yes. um, and we were just kind of going through, you know, going through it together. Um, I had Eddie Futch at first, and then I switched to, uh, I'm the one that brought Freddie in. Yes. And, and uh, yeah, but I mean, we're, we're, we're four years apart. We could be brothers. Yes, you I know, see we, that. You know, the age difference and stuff, you know. Um, the same You know, well, that and just, you know, um, I still had respect and, and stuff like that just because of how influential he was with – he changed my pad work, um, you know, and just in conditioning in itself was different. Freddie was a phenomenal runner. This guy could rub, run sub four minute miles, mm -hmm. repeat, unbelievable. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, that's you know, one we were just fights, huh? that's one thing in this fight. He had two amazing endurance, you'd never seen yeah. him count, he'd always finish stronger than he started. Yeah, yeah, he was real tough, and he came up in a tough time too. Yeah. His family life, tough, you know, the he had. Four brothers, they all boxed. <laughs> yeah. Some of the best sparring I ever saw at Johnny Taco's gym in, in Las Vegas was his kid. Yeah. Him and his brothers. I, I couldn't believe he could kick your brother like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. You guys do that. <laughs> Unreal. Yes, yeah. <laughs> They're the worst. And still be friends. Yeah. yeah. They, <laughs> yeah. they said, the they said Mike and Tyrone Everett had legendary wars in the Philly gyms. Mike and Tyrone. Really? Oh, well. Well, Philly period have unbelievable work. Yeah, yeah. Philly, if you get if you get beat up in the gym, you better come back the next day or don't show up ever again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, was, there, was there any? Was there ever a time that you didn't love boxing when you were fighting? Uh yeah. Politics of boxing, you know, you got to remember, I, I ran towards the end. I was doing my own, doing my own thing. And, and you find out some hard things, you know. Um, I remember, you know, I was trying to get with, uh, oh, God, I can't remember his name. Uh, well, in any case, you know, having someone say, you know, nobody wants to pay, um, a dime for something that's worth a nickel, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. That was said to me, you know, because it was part of the negotiations and stuff. Yeah. Hurtful yeah. to your pride, sure. you know, to be yeah. calling you a nickel yeah. and you want a dime. Yeah. But, but very true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the tourisms and stuff like that came out when having to, you know, navigate my own career and stuff. I still had a good manager, Bill Sorensen, who was – Mayor of Bismarck uh, um, State, and um, and he was a really good manager. But he had to he had, he had to learn it and catch up to it. Yes, and hard. so yeah, very very difficult. It's very difficult. very difficult. And, and, it, and it hurts you more than anything because you're the fighter who needs that. You know, you need yeah, and you need to have like it's great when you have self-worth you know what your worth is and that's yeah. very hard to do as a as boxer because these are the numbers yeah. the promoters and the managers they keep to themselves or they don't really yeah. share those things with us so you don't yeah. know your worth you don't know what it fights with how many fights do you think you have fought that where you received a fair share of the purse that you thought you should have well i like i like to think all of them <laughs> so you think you were <laughs> paid accurately for all the fights that you've had well, I, I, I hope so. I hope I hope that we, you know, the people that I had in there negotiating for me and stuff like that did the top job. You know, I I don't want to think otherwise or, you know. From that yeah. If that question yes. was asked to you, Michael, what would you say? I, I would say absolutely not. No. I, no. I, was, I was absolutely taken advantage of knowing the way the TV markets and everything work now. Like, I, I remember fighting on NBC for, I don't know, what was my first fight? $20,000. And this is like a national, internationally televised fight. I, it just it just doesn't make sense. Even in those days, it was 87. But still, I hear what people were getting in purses back then. I'm just like, wow. I just It just didn't make sense. But it made sense 
to fight for visibility. Uh, you know what I mean? But then, right. me, but but yeah, there. Let me say something to you that will that will that will make you feel better about that about that twenty thousand dollars that you made. Uh-huh. I have fighters out here that they do A side, B side stuff out here, where the A side pays for the B side, right? Mm-hmm. So the B side gets a gets a purse, but the A side doesn't get a purse unless you're in California and they got to give you max a minimum of a hundred dollars around or whatever. Uh-huh. You fight a six round fight, you're six hundred dollars. Yeah. When you start at the very bottom and you grind to the top yeah. and stuff, yeah. 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 You'll, you'll feel better about that. It'll help make you feel a little better about this. Yeah. I remember, <laughs> my, I, no, brother, I absolutely, I remember my first fight. I, I came out of Vancouver. There wasn't much boxing there. So my first fight was uh, I fought a six-rounder, and I got $300, and I know I didn't get any of that money. Because we had to live. So it's not like I bought anything with it. So I do absolutely mm-hmm. recall those times. But I was just thinking – like does every fighter experience these things or is it something that, you know, um, is it something, I mean, I know obviously I'm not the only one to experience yeah. it, but yeah. if the more fighters know their worth, like that's one thing that Floyd Mayweather introduced. Maybe he didn't introduce it. Sugar Ray Leonard, for instance, introduced it. He didn't just take anything. Well, that they Sugar, Sugar Ray was the start of it for exactly. sure. And, and uh, Mayweather and- has enhanced it. But yeah. you got to look at how many people in front of Mayweather in his own family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he got all the don't do's, don't do's, and don't yeah. do's, and yeah. don't yeah. do's. Yeah. yeah. Nobody, nobody, nobody gave me that. Yeah. yeah. Nobody was, saw, you know. By the way, guys, I saw Floyd Mayweather box last night after a fashion, you know, in London. Oh, did he? Did um, he run? Who did he, he, he did an exhibition last night in London, and I went to it because uh, Natalie had never seen Floyd Mayweather live before, and I, I knew she would appreciate the chance of a night out. So it was uh, kind of a farcical event, but we went anyway. And I saw, as as meaningless as it was, you yeah. still see those amazing skills and that speed and reflexes he still has. Yeah, and it still, I wouldn't. Say, yeah, it was it was it was strange. It was a strange atmosphere, but it's still Floyd Mayweather, right? You know. Who did he, yeah. He fought. A guy who's not even really a boxer. He's, I think he may have had a couple of pro fights. He's famous for a reality TV show. That's the way life works now, right? Um, and YouTuber. MMA fighter. The YouTube deal. You know, yes, exactly. I mean, the real boxing fans who are tuning into this page right now, this this interview with an illustrious name like yourself, Virgil, those are the oh, real thank fans. thank you. The people who are thank tuning you. into that nonsense that's going on elsewhere tonight, Anyone who's watching this instead, I salute you all. Oh. Oh, yeah. Well, look, I think everything has its place. You know, I mean, the YouTube stuff, it has its place, but it's not boxing. Yes. Thank you. It's, it's, a, it's an insult to guys like myself and yourselves and stuff like that to go, you know, to call these guys fighters and stuff like that. And you're not fighting real fighters. Now, Absolutely. one kid, one of my, one of my kids go like this, well, coach, are, are you jealous? I go, yeah, I am. This guy's making a hundred a hundred million dollars. I'm sitting over here with you know crutches and hobbling around and <laughs> and stuff. You know, it, you know, it was real for me. You know, it was real. Not that that is not real, but I think that has its place. Yeah. But it's not boxing. It's not. It's not traditional, real. You know. 
you, me, Tommy Hearns, all those guys, you know, it's not yeah. that. Well, the thing is, what a lot of people may not understand is boxing just isn't about the fight. It's not just about the fight. It never is just about the fight. It's the training. It's the, it's the, it's the development of the skills and the price you pay of going every single day to develop your abilities. That's that's what a true fighter is. Anyone can get in there and and hit pads and do and all that kind of stuff and go in there and, and knock someone out, but make it a career then. Make it a career. I never hit I never hit pads. No. There's no pad. I never hit pads when I was a kid. You know, it's we didn't have pads. Yeah, we didn't do you have think pads. Do you think I, never, I never did pads. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I hit their hands a little bit to warm up before I got in there, but yeah. there was there wasn't yeah. pads. Yeah. And now everybody and now you have pad guys. Pad yeah. guys yeah. that have never fought. Yes. Yeah. Never fought. And you're moving around telling the kids yeah. how to throw punches and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's crazy because with pads, it's, it's nuts because the greatest fighters of all time, like sugar uh I don't know if Sugar Ray Leonard came up hitting pads. I highly doubt it, but Muhammad Ali didn't. Uh, you know, Sonny Liston. Uh, they hit I, the I, bag. Would you, hold the mitts for, would you hold the mitts for Sonny Liston? I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah. That's not yeah. But, but even yeah, though, was, like visualization probably. is so important, right? Like visualization, being able to see the fight and be able to counter so pads are kind of like entertainment for the fighter like like what the way floyd hits him he hits him because he's you know maybe it has a- it's because it's cute and it's flashy and it's fluffy and it, it sounds good and stuff like that but yeah. why did you do that but 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 exactly. what reason what you know having said uh, that, did you having said that i do believe there are certain kind of pad work that does work yes well. absolutely absolutely yeah. But the guy has to know what he's doing, and it has yeah. to, you have to be able to visualize, help your fighter visualize the punch and then the counter or whatever it is. Yeah. But I, look, I've always had a hard time, you know, talking to someone or, you know, we're talking about boxing or this and that, and and they're coaching and stuff like that. And I ask them, did you ever box? Well, no. I'm like, it doesn't mean that, you, you, you know, yeah. ultimately you can't be a trainer, but I'm like, how do you know what it's like to get punched in the mouth? How do you we've describe that? About, we've spoken about this quite a lot, even on this podcast, Virgil. Obviously, there mm. are all-time great coaches like um, Ray Arcel and Angelo Dundee, who never boxed. You know, And I don't think Customato, I think he may have had one amateur fight just about. But those guys were around it for decades. and they were. Around but his fight. brother fought. Yeah. Angelo Dundee's brother Chris. was the guy. Dundee was not the guy. It was his brother. Yes. That yes. was the guy. Yeah. Um, and he was around when, when Angelo Dundee had his apprenticeship in New York, he was working corners six nights a week because there was that much work for a for a second in those days. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards they would go to night, you know, to famous favorite diners and favorite places where he would soak up knowledge from guys like Charlie Goldman and mm-hmm. Ray Arcel. And and that's the company he was hanging in. So he had served a really intense proper apprenticeship whereas i suspect nowadays a lot of guys come out the woodwork when they've seen a few instagram videos and they get this idea that they're going to be a coach yeah. extraordinaire and some of them actually leapfrog quite a few levels before anybody says you know you're a fraud yeah well i mean i look again that's another one of those things that it has its place you know yeah. but 
I don't know. You know, I look, you've had to have boxed or you've had to have sparred or something before you it give really me some. Help. It really does help. It does help. Yeah. And that boxing is kind of like, like even in terms of its popularity, you look at it, it used to be this like rushing, raging river, and now it's starting to trickle down into like a, a stream. It's, it doesn't have the, we don't have the same level, we don't have the same depth of talent or the, the depth of people to choose from, right? Because of your amateur program. Yes. If your amateur program sucks, yes. boxing is going to suck. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Get your amateur program in line. Yes. Don't get rid of it. Yeah. If you get rid of boxing in the Olympics, what is everybody going to do? Yeah. Yeah. What? They've lost that aspiration. And the yeah. other thing, Virgil, I know certain people, old school American fight figures, are of the view that the decline of the smoker, the, the kind of gym shows, has been a big, had a big effect on the American talent pool of amateurs because there's less, they have less fights mm -hmm. and they don't have so many, like I say, smokers where, where you can really um, get experience from without there being too much pressure on you. We do 180 fights a year in California. Yeah. <laughs> Half the year, they're fighting out here. Yeah. 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 That's, That's why you see such right? a... That's why you, well, yeah. That's why you see such an influx of of fighters coming out of California. Mm -hmm. Yeah, coming out of you know warmer states and stuff like that. Look, our amateur programs got to get better, got to get tighter stuff, and um, that's where that's where the talent comes from. But do you think you get rid of the Olympics? Do you, do you think then what? On the talent, we're losing out on the talent because there's other, like basketball is a competitor, football is a competitor, and even just basically, I mean, everything is, is a competitor now. So okay, but look, if you're six seven, if you're six seven and stuff, it's basketball, right? If not, if there was no basketball, then there's going to be a lot of window washers and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> True that. Because nobody can get that high. You know what I'm so, um, I wonder when someone's had when someone's had the remarkable career that Virgil's had. It's you can't address it all in one podcast. But I wonder if because I know some of the fans are asking questions on this stream yeah. as a page. I'm sorry. I wonder if we I wonder if we could play a quick game where I mentioned I mentioned an opponent. Maybe you do one. I'll do one. Silk and, and I'll go first though. Um, and then and, and we get Virgil's quick thoughts on this particular opponent. For instance, Did you say quick up, thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quicksilver, right? That might be that. Uh, Quicksilver is this, not the. Uh, well, let, let's let's try our luck. The first one, because this came okay. from the fans. Henry, Henry Mask. Now, Henry biggest Mask. payday, best, biggest payday, best fight ever. Best fight ever. What your 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 your, your proudest achievement? Oh. I would say it's my top, my top achievement for sure. Yeah. Top five for sure. Yeah. Silk. Um. Wayne Caplet. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing. The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Don't remember. <laughs> okay, no, you use your son. We, we have, we have some, a lot of mutual opponents, and that was one of them. Uh, yeah. Wayne? I, gosh. Yeah, like, I, I fought him, like, for the Canadian title, he was a Canadian kid who fought, and you, you uh, also knocked him out. You knocked him out earlier than I did, in fact. You okay. No, it, was it was it before world title or 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 after? Yeah, before. This is early. Okay. Yeah. In uh, I fought him in Williston, North Dakota. Right? Is that the guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. That's the only time I fought in Williston, North Dakota. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah. Um. I, I uh, quickly perfect for the level that I was at. Yeah. <laughs> to go forward. Yeah. Donnie Lalonde. Hey, you're Donnie drinking. L- you're going two in a row. But oh. Silk, your your audio is a little quiet, Silk. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead, Ben. Don, Donnie Lalonde. Yeah. Um, if I lived in his town, we'd be best friends. Yeah, he's a great guy. I love him. Great guy. Great guy. <laughs> He's, yeah, I mean, look, okay. look, he's the only guy, the only guy that fought for two belts in two different, in two different divisions. Mm-hmm. They fought at light heavyweight and I think super middleweight, him and Figueroa. Yeah, yeah. How does that work? That was interesting, Virgil. What it was initially for Donnie's um, light heavyweight title, WC. The WBC had not yet offered a super midweight title, and they suddenly inaugurated one. That something else is going on with my volume echoing back now, so maybe mine too. Um, so then they said if they both made one six eight, they could fight for the inaugural super midweight title as well. A lot of people didn't like that. Yeah. Well, then you should Pacquiao should have just made weight at one hundred and eight pounds and then fought for all the other belts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 At one time. Yeah. So you, you didn't like that either from Sugar Ray. Right. Come on, that's not realistic. Yeah, yeah. Why can't I do that? Yeah, why can't they, anybody else do that? Why can't you know? Why can't Floyd do that? Yeah. Yeah. Once you start, once you start messing around with like catching, yeah. yeah. Lose me there. I, and I, get rid of all these belts. Get rid of all the belts. Thank you. This is the best guest ever, by the way, Silk. This guy, I didn't, obviously I knew Virgil as a fighter, but I had a conception about his character. Um, but he's a fantastic guest. This is the best show ever. Even with a few technical problems, it's still the best show ever. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, I've got a word for you. Lou DeVal, honey boy. First time I got knocked down. No, that was it. And look. That would have been a tough fight if he wouldn't have went away from the – all he was throwing was a big right hand after that. Yeah. I beat him in Grand Forks, North Dakota, yeah. 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 With that left hand, right? I mean, he cracked yeah. with that thing. He's a solid – Yeah. He was uh, – He was – Crafty. He's in good shape. Good fighter. Really good fighter, just mismanaged. Yeah, right? That's totally mismanaged. Yeah. yeah, and that happens. Yeah, it does. Yeah. That's just part of the beast. Yeah. How about Leslie Stewart? I, they underestimated me. 
Mm-hmm. I had fought 10 times that year. 10 times. I was fight ready. <laughs> I wasn't in the gym. I was in the boxing ring 10 times. That, that totally, they, they totally missed that one. And that was the start of your reign, of course. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right, Bobby Chez. Good Bobby Chez. Brain. Smartest, brightest guy I ever fought. You know, like we got up to talk, you know, at the podium and stuff like this. This guy pulls out <laughs> a sheet. He's reading it from it, and you know he's Kumo Gulati and really bright guy and stuff. He's up here talking and blah blah blah. So then I get up next and go, well, I mean, after all that, uh, see so you guys at the fight. <laughs> really bright guy, but probably bar none one of the best commentators ever. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame how Bobby didn't make him maintain that trajectory in, in his uh, life and broadcasting and stuff because. Supposedly, he ended up working um, um, as a checkout guy at a supermarket or whatever, which that's, one, one thinks he deserves better, really. Well, yeah, but it, we all need help Yeah, sometimes. And instead of, you know, maybe extending, just give him a hand up. Not a, you don't have to give him a hand out. You just give him a hand up. I mean, this guy has, had unbelievable boxing knowledge. He was probably one of the best commentators in, in all of boxing at one point. He just had a drinking habit. Yeah, yeah. You know, he just, you know, it, it's a tough thing. Yes. What do you think the future of professional boxing? Huh? What do you think the future of professional boxing is? is, it, is it well, until they start, until, until the best starts fighting the best, it's going to stop. Uh-huh. What do you like yeah. about yeah, do you like the Davis Garcia fight, and who are you looking for on that? Tank, Tank. three division champion. Yeah. This guy's a monster right now. I mean, I don't know about his personal life and stuff. He's a little bit messed up, but he's he is used to being in that because he comes he comes from DC. Yeah. He don't come. He comes from the hood. Yeah, yeah. He's used to being in that mix, that craziness, that this and that and stuff, and still get the job done. Does Garcia have any chance at all? And if so, what do you think it is? Well, yeah, everybody has one punt, you know. You know, everybody's got that shot. Yeah, yeah. But if you listen to Tank talk, Tank will break it down. Tank breaks it down about him. Tank breaks it down about uh, Shakur yeah. and stuff. He breaks it down about a lot of people and stuff. He's worked with a lot of guys. Uh, no, I, stuff. I, I look at I look at Tank style and his ability, and I rate him as one of the probably best fighters in the world. Right now. It's so something seems to have happened to your audio. So something seems to have happened to your audio. Virgil is here as a bell, but I feel like I'm echoing back, and I wonder if it's the way you're listening to it. Or... No, I don't hear. Do you hear me now? I hear. I hear you, but I, I hear echoes a little bit. All right. But do you hear me now, Ben? That's Good. much better. Okay. Yeah. Um, you were yeah, doing something funny before. I was just saying that um, that uh, th- this kid Davis Tank is an incredible talent, uh, and, and he's able to do things like as a as, a, as an ex fighter. You look at the things he's doing, and you're like, man, why didn't I? Look, why, you, know but I mean? you but look, you wouldn't be surprised if you watch this guy train. Yeah. You wouldn't be surprised. That's what everybody doesn't see. 
Yeah. Is how this guy really he's a monster. Yeah, he is. His vision is crazy. The vision like crazy. It's crazy. Every punt. It reminds me of Pacquiao. Like when Pacquiao hit the heavy bag and stuff, yeah. this guy hit the heavy bag like he's fighting somebody. Fighting somebody. Yeah, like yeah. he's killing the heavy bag. Yeah, yeah. That's tank. Yeah. Every shot, home run. Blah, 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 blah. And every see, shot. And you can see him figuring it out. You see him thinking and he's setting his dudes up consistently. Yeah. Every single, yeah. Little punch that comes at him is the opportunity. He's not an accountant. He's not a teacher. <laughs> he is a consummate yeah. fighter. Yeah. That's yeah. what he does. Yeah. That's what they put him on the earth to do. That's what he's going to do. If he's hungry. He's going to. Mm-hmm. I have this problem because most of my most most of my gym is Latino. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we have these arguments, right? <laughs> no. <Nah. laughs> That's funny. Some people, some coach, people you don't know what you're talking about because they don't like him personally. Some people <laughs> don't like him, like you say, yeah. about the outside the ring stuff. No, I mean, look, personally, you know, he does. You know, what he does is his own business and stuff, and you know, but when you're when yeah. when you're uh, when you're in front and stuff, you, you have to present yourself better for the other kids coming up yes, and stuff. And that's what you want to do. But I'm not saying not everybody does that. Not everybody has that same mindset and stuff like that. But as a fighter, as a fighter, he's a three-division world champion. Yeah. I would dispute that he's a three division world champion because the light welterweight claim is very spurious, I feel. But he but nonetheless he's a fantastic fighter regardless. Yeah. Well what was the potato problem? batata. Yeah. <laughs> what was the reason? Yeah. I mean you can't you can't say WBC is better than anybody else these days. But no, but what here's what you can well, say. Right. Here's what you can say. When some guy's won all four belts and his name's Josh Taylor from Scotland, and then you claim to be a world champion at that same weight that he only totally unified a couple of weeks earlier, you can say, get the fuck out of here. You are not a world, a light welterweight champion of the world. You can say that very legitimately. So so that's yeah. what Tank is saying? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's why world. I say it, Silk. Who, who did he beat at for the junior welterweight title? Um, I can't remember the guy's name because it's very hard to keep track these days. Even yeah. so. <laughs> I, well, Virgil, I was going <laughs> to ask you. Virgil, what are you doing now? Do you have Fighters that you're raising, training. Uh, what's what's? Oh, I have amateur. I have amateur fighters, and I have one little pro fighter and stuff. But at a very low, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, you know, I never fought at that level. Yeah. You know, because of the Olympics and stuff like that. But you know, I'm busy with. Uh, uh, we put on we put on boxing shows and stuff. My wife is a, a boxing promoter Sweet. and stuff. So we put on you know low level. Yeah. Low level shows and stuff, and but it gave me a different, a different insight on things mm-hmm. in, in boxing, and and it down there is you know three hundred dollars uh-huh. for your six rounder. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> do they have to sell it. tickets, Virgil? Do the A side have to sell tickets? As a the A side, B side. Yeah, California is all A-side, B-side stuff, unless you're Bob Arum or, you know, or uh, all those, you know, big promoters and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. We're a four-rounder, six-rounder, eight-rounder guy promotion and stuff. So we're very, very small. But very humbling. 
Pardon me? What town do you live in these days in California? Santa Clarita, California. Okay. Yeah. How far it's a very nice area. My my gym is in uh, Simi Valley, which is about 30 minutes away okay. and stuff. So, yeah. But it's a small little gym, and I absolutely love it. Do you have children? <laughs> you have children? I do. I have, jeez, uh, five, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I have I have a daughter and a son that live out here. Uh, do- two daughters and a son. My Virgil Junior. He uh, he played baseball for the Cardinals for a little bit, and then now he's a now he's a, a police officer in Boynton, uh, Boyntonville, uh, Florida. Yeah. 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 So. And, and yeah. um, very act. All my kids are very active in in what we do. My wife is a four time four time Olympian. She's wow. got two golds and two silvers as track and field, and she's the promoter Great. part. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. I met her. Um, I met her in the '84 Olympics. Wow. Oh, seriously, what, what? What? Do you mind if I ask her name? Because that's a fascinating fact. Her, her, her. Uh, then it was uh, Howard. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I, I tell her, you've been a you've been a hill longer than you've been a Howard. So. <laughs> that's uh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, Denine Howard. Yeah, yeah four Olympics. Two golds, two silvers. And I met her in the 84 Olympics out here in Los Angeles. And so when you were out there and you, like, you were, she, what were you guys in the mess hall when you met? Like, how did you meet? Yes. <laughs> My man. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the cafeteria. <laughs> That's where it was. Yeah. And I was cutting weight so hard, I was just eating a little thing of Dwyer's ice cream and a yeah. piece of bread. <laughs> so yeah. it wasn't, you know. <laughs> she probably felt sorry for me and came yeah. down and sat next to me. <laughs> uh, that's great, man. It looks that's like great. it worked out yeah. anyhow. Huh? It looks like it worked out for you guys anyhow. Well, uh, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah we've, we've, you know, valleys and yeah, 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 high peaks. Yeah, deep exactly. valleys and High peaks. Yes. Yeah. Well, well I've got to say, this has been a particularly fantastic show, Virgil. And it's Thank you. Honor. I had a I wonderful you. time with you guys. <laughs> you know, this is this is a perfect hour segment if we close it now. What Silk likes to do, just as I'm about to close it like an absolute ice-cold pro, he likes to suddenly come in with something else and go on for another 10 minutes. That's that's just kind of a bit of stuff. <laughs> Are you going to do that this week, week Michael, or are we good? I think we're good this week. Virgil good. definitely got me. He definitely satiated the uh, the the brain. It's the curiosity. Okay. Well, we, thank we, you. We will have we will hang around and have a quick chat with you off camera. But I'm just going to close this for the ladies and gentlemen tuning in now. Well, listen, I right. appreciate you guys and what you do. You keep up this good work. Yo, brother, we, we, we need fight. this in boxing. We'll try, champ. Listen, guys. Absolutely. We'll have another fantastic guest, hopefully, although unlikely to be quite as fantastic as this week's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Punching. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.